grace, mercy, and peace be made from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Which is the greatest commandment? Initially, when we think of commandments, our minds might go straight to those ten commandments. That would make sense. Let's just check this out tonight. Do we know those ten commandments? What's the first one? You shall have no other gods. Have no other gods. Fantastic. Number two. Not using his name. In vain. In vain. Number three. Remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Number four. Honor your father and mother. Number five. You shall not murder or kill. Yes. Number six. You shall not commit
Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So, when you and I fall short as we look at the Ten Commandments, what we're really thinking about as we look at that text, what we're really thinking about from Romans 13 is when I fail, see, in any of those commandments, it's a failure of love. Fail to love well. We all do, don't we? Our agenda tends to be on ourselves instead of actually using our lives to love well. So when we reflect on our lives, we might reflect on our lacking to love well. I've heard it said that there are also 365 times in the Bible when people are commanded to not be afraid. One week day of the year. I'm reminded of that saying, he who fears God fears nothing else. Which gives me comfort and direction when thinking about Luther's meaning for the first commandment. It says, you shall have no other gods. You shall have no other gods before me. And what does it mean? We can fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Fear him. Well, why? Now, that fear idea is not only having a certain measure, an appropriate measure of fear and trembling. Because he's a holy God, a consuming fire. There should be a level of fear and trembling before him. He's unlike us. But also, awe. Adoration, admiration. You know, when we sing that song around Christmas time, Oh, come let us adore him. That one should tie into fear. That fearful adoration of who he is and what he would do for you and for me is outstanding. So when we're called not to be afraid because our fear is in him, we don't have to fear all these other things. Now, fear him why? Well, it reminds me of the Army Ranger story. This is the one I've told you a few times already, but I just love reminding you of stories so that they stick. Okay? Remember that one where there's a young man and he's dating this young lady, and they're over at her house, no one else is around, and he, they're making out. And then they make out, and he says, There's just nothing that can stop me now. He's, he's really going. Okay? And then the front door cracks open, and in walks her Army Ranger father. And immediately, this man who could not stop himself stops immediately. Why is that? Because he's afraid of the father. Because his fear of missing out with the young lady got replaced with a bigger fear. The harm the army ranger father would do to him if he didn't, as far as he wanted to go. Hmm. Why not be afraid of these other things? Why not be totally afraid and incapacitated by my fear of, of driving? I've had people I know that when they have been in a front-end accident where someone has come across the street and they've been in an accident, that they have a really hard time getting back in the car again to drive. That would make sense, wouldn't it? There are others who go through panic attacks. There's all these other things that we're afraid of. The loss of something, the loss of life. All sorts of things we're afraid of. Why not be afraid of these things? Well, let's see what it says in 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in, in love because perfect love casts out fear. So fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We're afraid of punishment. We're afraid of something happening. We're afraid of God allowing another shoe to drop. 
And yet, we don't seem to be. Because God loves us perfectly. We are forgiven sinners. We have been perfected in love. Now, this whole idea of being perfected means complete or mature. So the work of Jesus is complete, and as he says on the cross, it is finished. So think of it for a moment. All of your sins, past, present, and future, have been forgiven, wiped out by Jesus. As we stay connected to him, that we are made perfect in him. Now, we live as sinners, right? So we live in the tension. But you have been set free by Jesus. Are you living in that freedom? Or are you living in the fear of condemnation from yourself? From the voices you hear in your head? Maybe from a brother or a sister or some parents or a coach or somebody else that you really admire. Anybody here ever struggle with that? Right. Listen to what the conflict is for that first John chapter 4. Listen to what it says. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, as Jesus is, so also are we in this world. Christ and his righteousness has been attributed to our accounts. As he is, so are we in this world. Isn't that awesome? There is no fear in love. This is what we heard before. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And so it says in Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Yet in this Lenten season, I am convicted by the surrounding verses of 1 John 4. Listen to those in verse 17. As he is, so are we in this world. Do you and I spend our time looking at Jesus and recognizing that our identity and our security is wrapped up in him? Or are we busy looking at our actions and ourselves? In other words, do we reflect and then try harder? Or do we reflect and repent and run to Jesus? And be reminded that as he is, so we are in this world. By the way, if you just thought for a moment that as Jesus is, so you are in this world. Okay? Instead of trying harder to attain some measure of confidence, what if God just gave you the confidence at the beginning? Would that not be awesome? Isn't that what you have? Other learn to slow down enough to reflect and live in that truth. I've seen a need to repent from my focus on my actions rather than focusing on my Savior. Because I have been and continue to be loved. And I'm called to abide in Jesus and his love for me. 
In verse 20, it says this. Now, these are some interesting words. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, by the way, just look around this room. These are our brothers, brothers and sisters. If I say, I love God and hate my brothers, this is what it says. This is pretty hard. He's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. You ever read a passage of scripture and go, ah, that's pretty scary. Based on how our world is becoming more and more uncivilized and how we talk to each other and treat each other, you're one political persuasion and another person from another political persuasion is in this room and you start to talk in politics, how does that go? Especially if they were your brother. How does that go? Any of you feel convicted at all by those words? loves God must also love his brothers. I've been convicted by that. I fail at loving my brother and I fail at loving God, both of which are commanded. <coughs> this brings me to Romans 7. Listen to these words. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, how many of us want to do right? Y'all came to church tonight. You want to do right, correct? Yes, all of us do. Evil lies close at hand, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. That leads me to hate other people. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? You know what the next verse says? Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. The whole idea of war reminds me, the whole idea of war in here reminds me of my driving home last night. I had a wonderful day here at work. It was just great. I enjoyed my Bible class and other things, got to connect with people. It was great. And as I'm driving home, it's a little bit after 6.30, close to 7. I'm driving home, and, and our lights are on because it's kind of dark, okay? And driving home, and I get in the left-hand lane because there's some other slower drivers in front. And I'm, I'm going along, and all of a sudden, this big van comes up, and he's like flashing his lights. Okay, and so I've got a series of cars that are just a little bit apart, but they're not ready to move over, and he keeps flashing his lights. And I'm driving faster and faster, and he's flashing his lights, okay? And so I'm like, ah! And then I pull over, and he pulls past me, he doesn't go very fast past me, okay? And he gets in front into other traffic where he can't hardly move, okay? He's slow, it's five to ten miles an hour slower than I was going, okay? And you know, your pastor is such a broken man. You know what happened then, right? It must be like getting behind him and flashing my lights at the driver, which I didn't do, but I felt like it. And so I got in a right-hand lane, and I started driving, and I started driving aggressively. You know that before I got on Mopath, I was delighting in God, rejoicing in the day, thanking God for his presence with me, 
one little event. You know what? Remember that thing I always teach you? If I'm drinking a cup of water, and you bump me and there's not water on the floor, why is there water on the floor? Because it spilled out of your cup. Because it was in my cup. Not because you bumped me. The anger and the aggression that exploded in my life last night while I'm driving, why did that happen? Because it's in here. Always makes me smile when people say, I did that, but I'm a really great person. That's just not me. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's your life. Okay? You did what you did because it was in you, and it came out provoked by the right thing. And isn't it great when God allows my dog to go crazy barking, a, a driver behind me driving kind of fast and, and putting pressure on? It's great because then that shows me where I'm broken. And I want to do the right thing. I want to do what is right and good. I want to honor my God. If you broke it just a little bit, I mean, come on. Blasting your life? That's going to drive me to start driving aggressive and just forget who I am as God's beloved son? Really? There's a good reason God calls me a sheep. Yeah. Fortunately, I serve you. None of you are like that. Maybe once in a while, just change the circumstances. Change the road. Change the change. <coughs> you know how easy it is to not love someone else? Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. So this is what Lent is about. When we reflect on our lives and see what's going on, thanks be to God. Reflecting and repenting so that I may serve others and seek Jesus, to whom goes all my thanks and praise. Listen to God's word about love in 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. <coughs> love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. I can give away everything, even my body to be burned, and do it without love. See, love isn't just an action. It's an attitude towards others when I see them with high regard. Even if my brother or sister is on the opposite side of the political arena. Even if they have a different mindset towards things. I'm called to love. I think that's what God says. Is that not... <coughs> Are there all those little caveats or the little asterisks there that say, love them, except if you really think they're stupid. Yeah. Love them, except that they're just really hard to get along with. Love them, except, I don't see an exception clause, do you? You know what this does for us? You know what this beautiful commandment does for us? Kills us. Which is just awesome. You know, sometimes we, we take the law 
We make it so small that we can just step over it. But God's law is so big that we can't, and it just crushes us. It is exactly what we need to do. Because then what I want to share with you, because I don't think Paul would have ever said, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He would have never said he's a wretched man that he thought, I just need to try a little bit harder, so I'm just a little bit better. If people really just understood me a little bit more, everything would be okay. That's not what he said. And I want you to hear this. In our gospel lesson, N.T. Wright writes this about Perseus 13. I just think this is beautiful. N.T. Wright says, you know, this is not just our duty, the 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love. This isn't just our duty. It's our destiny. Isn't that what love will look like one day when we live and reign with Jesus? Listen to these words again. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. That's our future. Now what I want you to catch is in Galatians 5. See how love is mentioned as the first fruit of the Spirit? It is the Spirit's work in our lives. You see, God not only commands, but He gives what He commands. Our job isn't to try harder to love these difficult people. Our job is to abide in Christ. Remember 1 John 4, verse 16 and 17? Our job is to abide with him. And he then gives us the confidence because as he is, so are we in this world. Our job is to abide. His job is to work by his spirit to create in us what we simply are not able to work up in ourselves. By ourselves, for him. This season is a time for us to abide, to see Jesus, and to watch as his spirit produces the fruit of love. 